Welcome to the Homefront Podcast. I am your host, Tori McQueen. I'm a realtor, an entrepreneur, a mom of four, and a bold dreamer, always on a mission to turn nothing into something. Have you ever wondered how all these other entrepreneurs do it all? Can they actually have a successful and thriving business while also having a happy home life? Here, we dig into the real stories from entrepreneurs on how to run a biz and a home life, how to scale and grow, and how to manage parenting and relationships without sacrificing your home life or happiness. After all, isn't that what matters most? Let's get to it. Hello to my people. I am so ready to get this party started. Okay, but first, since most of you are just now getting to know me and here I am already knee deep into motherhood and business, I thought I'd back it up a little in this episode and spend some time sharing more about who I am back where it all sort of began on this entrepreneurial journey. We'll just kind of dive into that because I think it has a lot to do with exploring entrepreneurship and and how I kind of stumbled across this path. So um, we'll kind of go back to where I was raised. Um, You guys, I live in Oregon now, and I was raised not far from where I live here. It's the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Um, And I didn't always live here. I ended up coming back from college. But in the beginning, I was raised with a blended family. And I was a second oldest with four other siblings in that same household. I do have a total of six sisters and a brother. Yes, my poor brother. But um, yeah, so I had a big family and um, a mixed family. Uh, I had a pretty good life, always surrounded by lots of family and friends. My parents worked hard to take us on the occasional vacation, which they've always prioritized um, and got us signed up for every sport activity, even when I'm sure that the money wasn't always there. We got to do the things we, we wanted to do. Being in a blended family has its imperfections. But as any family would, my dad worked to keep us going. And my mom, um, it's actually my stepmom who raised me and she stayed at home to run the ship. I didn't feel poor nor lacking as a kid, just a busy kid with a solid home. And I share this, you guys, because I think a lot of times in entrepreneurship, people always want to say, oh, well, they grew up with money or, oh, their story, they came from nothing. And honestly, guys... I'm just like right in the middle of the road. Just one of you guys in a family with a crew of, you know, siblings and, you know, two two moms sorting that all out and just lots of friends, played sports, got good grades, but just a kid, just like any other family, really. So fast forward a little bit. I worked my first payroll job when I was 13, which typically... You know, I know that doesn't happen as often now, but we had a friend that owned a restaurant. So when I started to work there and I got that opportunity, it gave me a taste of financial freedom. Um, It gave me that freedom I needed to be able to go to the movies with friends, buy the clothes and CDs. Yes, CDs. Um, I think the store is like Good Sam's or something. I I don't even remember what it was called, but it was the place to go to in the mall to buy the great CDs. You know, and I wanted to visit the local Claire store on occasion, you know, and buy whatever jewelry I wanted. Um, going to the mall with friends, going on vacations, I wanted to bring my own money and spend money how I wanted. You know, it's funny, I was pretty picky at the time. I didn't want to spend it, and I was, I wish I were more like that now, but um, I, you know, I wanted the money, my own spending money. And when I had it, it was a completely new ball game. 
And again, my parents paid for trips and other things, but when I got my own money, I enjoyed it and I felt free. Being one of the oldest and a ton of siblings with all of that going on, there wasn't extra money to be spent on just on a whim earrings that I wanted or getting a, you know, Orange Julius from the local mall. Um, So obviously I felt free getting that job and it kind of, and I didn't work very often because I was 13. So I only worked a couple days a week, maybe 10 hours. Um, I can't even remember, but that little bit of money was that taste of freedom that I needed. I worked, so the job that I worked, it, it was at a kid's used consignment shop in my area. And as soon as I could drive, I figured out a way to make additional money on the side. What I would do is I would like take my money and I would spend my Saturday mornings buying clothes by the pound, washing those clothes, folding the clothes, and then selling them back to my workplace. Sometimes I'd visit my grandma with a bin of clothes that I just bought from this dirty, nasty bin, and she'd be able to get any spotting or stains out and then help me iron them and make them look fabulous so that they would sell for more or more likely to be sold for more. I'd spend about like $50 because here's the thing, guys, it was closed by the pound. So those nasty bins that come out and you just kind of rummage through them. (laughs) And if you didn't buy, here's the deal. If you didn't buy at least 50 pounds, then you wouldn't get the 99 cents a pound. If you bought, you know, if you did 25 pounds, then you'd have to pay like 199 a pound. So it just was worth it only if I could get the quantity, right? So I had to spend more, right? But I had a higher chance of making more. So I had to kind of work all that out, but I'd spend $50 and in turn, I do all that and turn it into like $600 or $650 after everything's said and done. And they paid cash right then and there. So I didn't have to wait for it to sell or anything like that. I just literally in the same day, I could go a Saturday morning, wash the stuff, clean it all up, fold it up, put some dryer sheets in there so it smelled nice and get it sold by the afternoon and have a $650 check, you guys. And that, my friends, was a game of winning that I thought, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if I thought anything at the time. I think I just thought like, woohoo, like, sweet. I just found a way to make some money. Um, and my friends didn't really get it. So I didn't really talk about it much. And I was kind of a lone wolf on the matter. I mean, I never was like, hey, you want to go do this with me or, or any of that. It was not much for my social life as no friends had really any interest going to Goodwill with me on the weekend. You know, no one downed me or anything, but I just kind of did it on my own. But most of my friends were, you know, on Saturday mornings, they were sleeping in till like 10 a.m. anyways. And honestly, guys, I was not a kid to sleep in. And I will have to attribute that to my mother because she, anytime we try to sleep in, she'd bang on my door and be like, hey, what's this ain't the holiday in? Get up, you know? And of course, like <laughs> we were, you know, I'm sure I grumbled about it then, but in hindsight, thank you, mom. I had other things to do. And then I slightly got addicted to the feeling of getting up and doing that and realizing that all my other friends were just sleeping, you know? So I was that girl at sleepovers that would wake up in the morning and uh, just sit there and wait for them to wake up and do nothing. And this is before phones, guys. So obviously I I was just sitting there because 
again, on days that I wasn't having sleepovers, I was going to Goodwill in the morning. But anyways, fast forward to college. Okay, so college, I went to college actually at UNLV in Las Vegas, uh, straight out of high school. And um, so moved to Nevada and I studied marketing. I always kept, you know, I remember my parents saying like, don't worry about working. This is your time. Go have fun. But guys, I was already so used to just having my own money and I wasn't very material. Like I didn't need, I bought my prom dresses at like Ross Dress for Less. Like I was not very material and I didn't really care about the material things. So it's not like I needed money for that, but I enjoyed it for, again, the freedom and experiences that I could do. Like I could, you know, buy anything at the movie theater or go anywhere or have money to spend on gifts at Christmas, you know, just this, this, that sort of stuff. But anyways, so going to college, I studied marketing. I went to school full time all the way through the summers, but I always kept two to three jobs during that. I mean, there weren't crazy jobs or anything, but like working in the administration office, uh, working at the local Starbucks on campus, working at the child learning center on campus, working at the local gym, athletic center on campus. I mean, I was, I kept two to three jobs because everyone was hiring part-time. So I was always working when I wasn't in school and kind of the same thing. My friend's they took minimal classes or like large gaps in their classes because um, everyone's like, well, how the heck did you work two to three jobs while you went to college full time and graduated early and did OK? And you guys, I went to school in Las Vegas. I had a fabulous time and I did have a fun social life. So I don't know when I slept, but that I mean, that's what I did. I think I just enjoyed being busy. And again, being able to spend money on things and experiences that I wanted. While I was at one of my jobs, I worked at a bank there towards the end of my college days. Um, And I met one of my mentors while working at the bank and got to watch him go through the process of actually trying to open up his own restaurant at the time. And he was a new entrepreneur. He was working two jobs at the time and the bank was one of them, but he was going through the process of you know, writing his business plan, going to find money to to fund it, buying his products that he needed to have the restaurant even open, go through hiring, figuring out his logo and his website. You know, we'd be chatting about that while we're working in the bank. And it was just kind of interesting and fun. And I was so fascinated how the process went. And it's interesting how it can be so tedious, like such a tedious process starting to think about opening your own business. And this isn't just, I mean, nowadays businesses are, well, depending on what you open, but a restaurant is is tedious, guys. I mean, there's a lot that's involved, yet it can be so simple at the same time, right? So it every day was a new obstacle that he had to figure out and just kind of being alongside him to see what was happening and how he was handling it. He just kept going and it snowballed. And I think it's funny because some of my coworkers would just kind of laugh at like, oh, yeah, 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 what are you doing? And I'm like, no, he's legit opening his own restaurant. Like nobody believed that he was doing it. But I think it's because you forget that a lot of times in entrepreneurship, it does kind of start as a side project or a side hustle. And people don't really take you seriously until you're actually in it or have made it. Anyways, I actually ended up helping him get his business started 
And that's when the fun really began. Hey there, let's take a brief moment to acknowledge our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by eXp Realty, one of the fastest growing real estate companies in the world, cloud-based and built for the future. It empowers realtors to scale in their businesses and lives beyond what a typical local transaction could. This is the company I personally hang my real estate license with along with my entire team. If you're a broker owner or a realtor like me and want to join in on the fun or interested in learning more about this awesome company, click the link in the show notes or go to my website at torymcqueen.com slash partner in real estate. That's torymcqueen.com slash partner in real estate. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so I was helping him work in his restaurant, but and here I am, you know, towards the end of my college days, um, trying to take little skills I learned in marketing, which by the way, marketing and SEO, it was all about SEO and uh, pay-per-click and stuff like that. And you guys, marketing was moving at such a fast pace that even marketing that I was learning in college, I'm sure in the next year would have already surpassed what I had even known. So for all of you going to college or anybody going to college, I'm sure you can relate that or just know that the stuff that you learn in college it may just be behind what is actually out there. So don't feel like you need to know everything. But anyways, I was a marketing student, so I was all excited to use my marketing skills to help him launch his business. And we didn't even know where to start, but I was, we were just excited. And think about it, guys, um, That this was in like 2008 when the recession hit. It hit his business so hard and we had to figure out ways to get more money into the restaurant because people weren't eating out as much. And I didn't really understand it at the time because, you know, I didn't pay attention as much to the economy because I wasn't as impacted by it. But this was really hard on his business. Um, people weren't coming to eat. This was his first year or two with his restaurant. And you guys know that many, many restaurants and businesses don't make it past their first two years or three or even five, but really their first year is huge. So anyways, we had to figure out how to get his food into the Las Vegas Strip casinos for more income. And let me explain that for a second. So he... Honestly, you guys, if you guys ever have a chance to go visit Amina Bit Cafe, I think he names it Amina Cafe now, off, it's like five miles from the Las Vegas Strip. It is the best Middle Eastern food out there. And we knew it, right? But we also knew that people were spending so much money eating at buffets on the Strip that we figured, okay, if someone else can put their old, icky, Okay, this is harsh, right? But we thought we had the best product, okay? So if we could put our product onto the strip, then that would not only save his business, but we'd be giving these casinos way better quality food. And then these people coming to eat at the buffets would give higher ratings, you know, because the food was that much better. And we we honestly believe that. It was obviously the best Middle Eastern food out there. And we wanted it to be available at the buffets, So we worked together to create a system to reach out to these casinos to figure out how to help them get his foods or products into the busiest Las Vegas strip buffets, okay? It was such a fun and challenging process, you guys. We had to just, I mean, obviously we didn't know what we were doing. So we had to call around asking who to speak with. Do we talk to the chef? Do we talk to the buyers? Like, 
Who are these people? And then recall, right? Because the follow-up, because people are busy. But we had to figure out how the chefs could get samples. And then learning who the decision makers were, decision makers were and how buyers worked at the casinos and how that entire process worked. Because they each casino kind of has their own system for what they do and their own budgets and the chefs at the time were the ones handling it, but then the buyers would make it official and lots of faxing back and forth, which is interesting and makes me want to laugh now, but just a lot of stuff that we just had no idea what we were doing. Um, we were just figuring it out as we went. It was like a puzzle. And the only way to get somewhere was to just lay another piece down. You know, you've got to start somewhere. So we just had to take action. So even though we didn't know what action to necessarily take, we just picked up the phone and we had to make the call, schedule the appointment, walk in. There was really no time for fear. And I think the fear actually came from not wanting the business to collapse, right? So we were like, we had no other option is kind of what we felt like. So we did what we did. And um, nowhere online, guys, was there a YouTube channel or somewhere to research how this all worked. We had to get in the trenches and just figure it out. And it turns out I loved it. I love the process of it. Also, keeping in mind we didn't know what we were doing, we didn't have time to feel ashamed or embarrassed or any of that, but we just kind of went in there. Even even the chefs laughed at how we hauled the food in, what it was packaged in, and then we'd go over prices and production quantities that they needed. And I mean, who knew that hummus and baba ganoush would be priced by the pound and how many pounds they would need? I mean, they needed quite the hefty load on a weekly basis to support the buffets. And then when events or conventions would happen, they would need even more. And, you know, we just kind of nodded our heads and like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they knew like, okay, do you guys have this? Or do you have a price sheet? Or do you have, are you in this system? And we're like, "Eh, no, 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 but we will look it over and get it to you. You know, we found out we just needed to get in one of the systems with one of the chefs in the casinos. Once you were in the account, aka his products were were in the buying account for the casinos or the one casino, then we would be able to reach the other hotels and chefs because they were all using the same system, at least some most of them that are owned by some of the same companies. Since it was such a small network, once we were in with the great product at a reasonable prices, then bam, we realized we could do this. And who cares if we had no idea on how to package, keep it cold for long periods of time, how to produce large batches, how to hire people to get it all done. Um, You know, there's only so many hours in a day, how to add ingredient and nutrition labels, how to charge an invoice, like all of this stuff, we would just figure that out as we went. And you guys, we got the first account. I don't even think it took us that long, maybe a few months or a couple months. Um which then led to three more accounts. And guys, I'm talking a small hole-in-the-wall Middle Eastern restaurant that had to produce large quantity weekly orders to support restaurants, some of the best buffets on the Las Vegas Strip. For their buffets and their conventions and events, we were in the system and who cares what other problems it brought we were in and we would figure it all out. But guys, it's the game of entrepreneurship and it's so thrilling. It's it's the thrill of turning nothing into something. 
taking that little small hole in the wall, new yet suffering little restaurant five miles from the strip to being one of the main distributors of Middle Eastern food in a couple of the casinos. You can't tell me that's not thrilling and awesome. Guys, I didn't even realize at the time how amazing it was uh, for my mentor. What I what it meant to him and his business was far more than what I what I even imagined. And now we talk about it to this day, and I, I understand it a little bit now. But I was a young college grad, just having fun trying to figure it out alongside him. I just thought it was fun. Um, not afraid of what the chefs thought of me trying to figure out what elevator to go back and use and what back office, who I was meeting. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. We didn't even know like what chefs to me, what what we were going to walk into. And we had to present the food and products like we knew what we were doing. But I guess who cares if we knew what prices to charge at the time, we could figure it all out. And we did. And I wasn't hardly making any money doing it. And I don't even really care or I don't even think I thought about it at all. I was just having straight fun. And when we won those accounts, was it fun to win. I think in entrepreneurship, it takes a lot of grit and determination and almost a sense of confidence to be successful. Not the confidence that you know exactly what you're doing, but instead the confidence in knowing that even though you don't know what you're doing quite yet, you do have the confidence and willpower to figure it out. Just reflecting back on it, this experience probably molded me for my entrepreneurship journey to come. But that's it. You just have to have the confidence in yourself to know you can figure it out, whatever that actually is, and as it comes your way. You don't have to know it all right in the beginning. And my peeps, it really started that simple. Although I didn't know it at the time, I was hooked on the hunt, the thrill, the puzzle, the challenge, and the game of entrepreneurship. So as you guys are tuning in, I wanted you to hear a little bit on my background so that you can see where my entrepreneurship journey began and that you can see that it's not really defined or planned out. It just sort of happened. And I didn't even realize it at the time. And I didn't start my own business right then and there. Um, There's definitely more to the story of how I got to where I'm at today, but we will cover that on the next episode. So I hope you enjoyed this part of the story, but for now, I've got some children to feed and a hubby to attend to. uh, So I will get you all caught up on the second part of the story if you plan to tune in next week. Hey guys, thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Homefront Podcast, where happiness is our true profit. If you enjoyed today's chat, please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. This helps us learn, grow, and reach more listeners just like you. Join me again next week as we drop new stories, experiences, and game-changing tips for your home front. As always, here empowering you in business and in life. Until next time.